you for tuning in to another episode of The Brand Situation. I am your host, Tamika Morrison, and I am coming to you from the beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. I am joined today. I'm so excited to have my BFF and branding back with me, your permanent co-host, Patrick Parks, a human behavior, diversity, and inclusion expert, and aka The Brand Whisperer, Patrick. We you. Hey everybody. Hey Timo. Um happy to be back. Um uh, as you have been saying a lot offline, this week has been extremely uh, busy with news. It's sort of uh dizzying uh the amount of news that has come across um the transom, come over the transom this week. So I'm just excited to see. Uh, and excited to take a bite <laughs> today so okay yay us <laughs> yes it has been crazy I mean I told you earlier that it's not often that I actually don't know every news headline that is happening because that's what we do we cover news we study the trends we we study media every day but it's been so crazy that I haven't had a chance to keep up um before we get into our full agenda, and I can't wait because I, I I know that you have some um, real great expertise to lend this week, and I have my um, shady expertise <laughs> to lend as well. You know, I always got to throw a little shade somewhere. Just a tad. Just, just a, tad. a tad. Just a tad bit. I want to say happy birthday to my dear sister, Shara. Today is her birthday. She's in Charlotte. Shara, I hope you're celebrating and having a wonderful day. I love you, and I can't wait to see you soon and give you a great big hug. But in the meantime, turn up. So as we get into the first half of the hour, we're going to talk about some of the entertainment and pop culture that happened. Um, the two things that that uh, are on the agenda for the entertainment pop culture portion they're actually more like political than and business related than entertainment I think we're going to cover more of the entertainment piece in the bottom half but we are in what going into the third week and the disgraced governor of Virginia Ralph Northam refuses to step down and mm. I just can't let this go because he needs to get out of there. Like, dude, just because it's crazy in the news cycle doesn't mean we forgot what the heck you did. I mean, I'm, I'm perplexed as to why there has not been, um, there has not been a re- resignation from him. I mean, what do you think is happening there, P? Well, this is uh, one of the stories that <clears throat> I have willfully tried to disconnect from <laughs> because of all of the things. It conjures up and you know the the collective pain body we have as a african-american community around blackface but you know since the initial story ran you know we've had the call for resignations for his lieutenant governor right and even other people in the uh in virginia and you know not to mention that this was a place where you know uh we had the calamitous charlottesville when our um, the person in office, because you know I don't call that person the president, I always say that. Uh, the person <laughs> in office uh, said that we had good people on both sides. Yeah, that was Charlottesville, yeah. Charlottesville Virginia, um, where uh, the illustrious 
Ralph Northam uh, is governor. But having said all that, there's been so much news coming out of Virginia, you know. Um, so it's been really hard to, for, you know, keep tabs on it. Um, why he hasn't resigned? Well, you know, when when he looks to his left and looks to his right, he everybody's everybody can be, you know, right. their character can be unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so that's that's you know the quick and dirty for me. But if you have more to add on that, it's 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 a, it's a very very perplexing, as you said, story, and one that evokes a lot of mixed emotions from African Americans, particularly Democrats, because you know when you go through the chain of command there, you know if you have both of those two guys removed, the governor and the lieutenant governor, you start to have to consider Republicans to lead in Virginia and you know black people are betwixt in between about that because mm-hmm. yeah we want to indict him for the bad things that he's done relative to blackface uh, and you know who is the next option the next option may not be the lieutenant governor given his sex scandals um, so do we want to cede the government over to the Republican party mm, I don't know so that leaves us in sort of a quagmire as a how do we deal with Mr. Uh, Northam? Yeah, and you you made a great point when you said that um, if he looks to his left and to his right, uh, those those persons could be indicted as well. So he's kind of in a in a safe spot. Um, mm-hmm. I say burn the whole damn administration <laughs> down and start over. I mean, last week we called it a crisis in a commonwealth and. I think that it is high time for us to do some, make some unprecedented moves and indict everybody, make everybody resign and start over. Speaker of the House and really create a shockwave throughout the American government, the system, and show that you cannot, you know, you're not safe when you do things that are um, as horrendous as the governor of Virginia, sorry, just just ain't enough. We talked about uh, the mayor culpa saying sorry earlier. We had an earlier mm-hmm. episode where we talked about that's just not enough. And in this instance, I don't think that is enough. Um, I want to mention before I go on, I, I feel like you wanted to say something. No, I think you're probably going to transition to where I uh, was about to transition to, whether to, to the point that we have here on the agenda about uh, Governor North and his interview with Gail King. Were you going to mm-hmm. say something about that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say he did an interview on CBS with Gail King. And, you know, this man is just, he's less than smart, if I'm going to say it the way Wendy Williams says it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, when he was talking about um, the first slaves that came over to Virginia, because we're coming up on 400 years um, that slavery has has been over, allegedly. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he referred to the slaves as indentured servants. And right, right. Gail King had to correct him and say, you better known as slavery. You know, right. This man... It's a BKA, aka. She said BKA, not AKA, better known as. Right. Oh my God. Um, Well, I also saw a clip from CBS uh, this morning where they actually spoke with seven graders to discuss the governor's blackface 
situation Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing to me how smart these kids are it was a diverse group of kids you know that just was able to speak so clearly number one they called for him to step down um Mm -hmm. if he apologized is one thing but if he's actually lying and he needs to step down and i think that's where we are he needs he he's lying to us when he first made a statement he admitted to it then suddenly the next day it wasn't him you know so these kids are like well if you can lie about this what else are you lying about um these 13 year olds 12 and 13 year olds also was able to just plainly state that america has a problem with racism and we need to acknowledge that so that we can all move on. We, we, we need to acknowledge that blackface is wrong. Um, we need to apologize for it. I mean, these kids are brilliant. Brilliant. It makes, makes you wonder what's happening with the adults. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things I want to take. I don't want to take the brilliance away from the kids, but I want to say this. The kids are speaking plainly. You know, it's, right. it's what they see. You know, and you know, the older we get, we learn to rationalize things, you know, but I just think that, um, you know, a lot of the old people back home, um, back in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, they say out of the the mouths of babes, you know, will come forth the truth, you know, and it's like, wow, they, they have no agenda. They have no dog in the fight. They're just saying, hey, I thought he said it was him. (laughs) You know, he wouldn't have to step down if he would have you know, admitted to it and we could have just moved on. But collectively, we've been on the receiving end of uh, a lot of to and froing uh, and what it ends up being uh, amounting to lies and uh, the distortion and deception, uh, willful deception of the American public. And, and, and you know, so I, I, I'm not going to say those kids aren't brilliant. They very well may be. But I, what I appreciate about that clip from CBS was that the kids were they were just calling it as they saw it. Um, right. So as adults, we can take a cue from them. You know, we definitely can take a cue and to the point of indentured servitude in the uh, rewriting of our history, as I like to call it, revisionist history. <laughs> you know, how people uh-huh. like to remember what actually happened a different way than what it, what it did. You right. know, that what, what Northam did was no different than what they were doing in Texas when they were trying to call the entire a period of slavery, um, migrant workers. <laughs> and and parents, uh, real quick, when parents were doing homework with the kids, I was like, wait a minute, this, this is listed as migrant workers, but this is during the time of slavery. What? It's something's wrong here. They went all the way to the school board to get that change. That was in their history books. So, wow. you know, we can't let that slip. You know, thank God for Gail King. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you, God Gail. Gail. Uh, <laughs> it might seem very minuscule, but we can't let people slip because they could start then rewriting the books, the history right. books. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, moving right along to another disgraced executive, uh, not in the political world, but in the business world, uh, Bezo, <laughs> Bozo Bezo. <laughs> oh, Donald, you know, uh, uh, forty-five. <laughs> I used to call him Bozo. So oh really? Lord. Oh god. Yeah, well, he called him Bozo. Yeah. That might be the first time uh 45 got something right. Because listen, okay, so if you all have been under a rock, then you would have missed that 
Jeff Bezos has was being blackmailed allegedly by the National Enquirer. Um, they were threatening to share or publish. Uh, uh, what's the best way to say it? You know, um, penis pics. Okay, that's well. That's let, let me let me steal Stephen Colbert and uh, <laughs> Trevor Noah's phrasing. They okay. said semi erect penis <laughs> pictures. <laughs> semi erect. Oh, semi erect, because we might have a Viagra situation going on our hands there. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. So in order to kind of. Um, take the pressure off off of him take the threat away he decided to publish his own post about it on medium and in his own way expose the threats thereby exposing them thereby lessening the um the leverage that they were trying to hang over his head with this with this threat um also um while that has been happening you know amazon has been searching for their second headquarters and just yesterday i believe or maybe on thursday it was announced that they were pulling out of new york because new yorkers were outraged and pretty much ousted them out of new york due to their hiring practice practices and 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 all of the kickbacks that they would get without having to take care of the people you know it would be a lot at stake um bringing amazon into um i believe it was uh new york city somewhere one of the major boroughs but you know the question that i have here is you know amazon is 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 one of the is it the most profitable company in america well jeff, um, but jeff bezos is the richest man in the world so. Oh, wow. Um, okay, that, that says that says a lot. Um, while I was reading up on him, what I didn't know was that he actually owned the Washington Post. I have to mm-hmm. say that made me think differently about mm-hmm. <laughs> the mm-hmm. Post. And it actually gave a little credence to 45 about this notion of fake news. And I say that... Uh-oh. I say that very lightly, you know, it's with a grain of salt, I say that, you know, when you have billionaires like Jeff Bezos able to purchase such a prominent journalistic institution for us in America, I mean, if he's paying everybody's salary, then what do you think at the end of the day? No, no. I, it, it, it's hard to think that you can stay biased, especially in this uh, very charged political climate. But with with all of that, and I do want, want to get your thoughts around that, but the bigger question is, do you think that his personal brand is being affected in any way? Or does he have so much money, so much power that he can actually have this sort of... Uh, sh- moral you know this, this this sort of you know moral um his morality be questioned um on the public stage and he just you know gets a slap on the wrist okay to take a, a shot at answering that question i'll just ask another question mm-hmm. that um i mean somebody asks a question ask a question and you know you you respond with the question <laughs> but <laughs> my question would be Tamika are you gonna go are you gonna stop going to Amazon to purchase things 
here's here's the answer and you might you might not believe me I actually don't purchase much from Amazon so I can actually live without making another Amazon purchase absolutely okay so you're the one of the lone <laughs> as, as a person who does not like online shopping I actually have bought things on Amazon and I don't even like to shop online and one of the reasons why I would prefer to shop through Amazon is that at least I can pin the tail on the donkey if something happens with my, you know, shipment. Um, so, uh, you know, all that being said, this is not going to stop Jeff Bezos' hustle. I mean, you know, one of the things I think about reputation management as it relates to something like uh, what they're, they're, they're almost likening this to a uh, revenge porn. Um mm-hmm. One of the things about reputation management, when it is connected to something like this, something that's kind of salacious, you know, if he were a politician, I would think this could sully his brand. He's a business mm-hmm. person, you know, mm-hmm. and his business is something that's so uh, devoid of, you know, people thinking about morality. They go to you know, interact with his service. And he had a platform where people buy stuff off of, you know, and it's cheaper than going to a brick and mortar store. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a really really for all intents and purposes Trump type <laughs> business <laughs> model you know so um, now if it was found out that he was paying his workers you know below a fair wage uh, value or something like that then you start to think about some of the you know morality connected to the, the economies the, the economics connected to his um, his business but you know, aside from that, I think Jeff Bezos is going to do just fine. Uh, he going to be sending more pain pics out to, you know, uh, Keisha, Susan, and uh, <laughs> Sherry. You know, maybe he'll just encrypt his stuff better. Maybe he'll use a, uh, a phone that hasn't come out yet because he's connected to all the movies and shakers and technology. I don't know. But um, as it relates to him owning the Washington Post, um, does that necessarily mean that it's a slant to the paper? I don't know, maybe. I mean, but most papers have a bend. You know, that's why uh, most papers or news forms have some type of bend. They, they, they try to be, they say they want to be objective. You know, but one of the people who, one of the entities that says it wants to be objective and um, says it's the most fair and balanced is Fox News. Go figure. <laughs> You know, ha, so ha, you know, that's that, that's, <laughs> that's their tagline. That's hilarious. You know, oh wow. Um, you know, so yeah, I think um, you know it is a circus, but it is news. You know, uh, I don't I don't always agree with the adage all uh, uh, all PR is good PR. You know, but this is a this is a newsman uh, in part uh, away from his uh, e-commerce business mm-hmm. that has made him the richest man in the world that that's just crazy to me he he is uh on the trajectory to becoming the first trillionaire or having a business that amounts to a trillion dollars before we used to be you know excited about millions then billions now we're going into the trillions you know so jeff Bezos, he on be all right okay <laughs> well you um i don't have anything to uh uh, counter, I think you're absolutely correct. But I will say this: there are definitely other stores. There are so many stores there where you can do your online shopping. There's Boxed, 
there's uh, Ebates that that have Target and Kohl's and and I'm gonna put it out there. No, these stores are not giving us any um, ad dollars, but we don't have to give our money to Amazon. I hate shopping in person myself. All I do is online shopping. But if I'm able to bypass Amazon to do majority of my shopping, which 90% of my shopping is done online, that goes to show you that we still have the power. We can make him um, fill it in his pockets. Um, I don't have Amazon stock, so I could care less what the stock does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to continue to, you know, be mindful as I make my purchases. Um, with my books I can go to Google Play for books um that's pretty much what I use Amazon for 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 the most part but um you know I'm 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 gonna use my personal power to show these um bozos like bezos that you know you you owe you owe um the world a better standard you know not saying that you you are um perfect or need to be perfect but you know you don't to have peen pics and then to just you know feel like you can write a story about it without going through a proper channels proper channels in my mind is having your publicist vetted pitch it out to the media and having a, a reporter write about it and he bypassed the washington post for a, a reason um because it would have been vetted it would have been vetted it would have been um given a more um objective point of view and he didn't want that he wanted to do it exactly the way that he did it i'm not mad at him he has a platform that can command um a greater attention audience when he says something than maybe having it somewhere within the pages of the washington post but at the same time you know you have a privilege that we have put you we have provided you being the buying public so you have some accountability to this um, well, here's what I say about this, because this is, you know, we can cover the more salacious elements, the more sort of pop part of it. You know, there is a more political leaning part of it, um, a, a more um, um, geopolitical part of it, because, you know, the entity um, that is connected to the National Enquirer uh supposedly allegedly has dealings with saudi arabia now you mm-hmm. know one of the um um the the, the uh, who was murdered um in uh, it was a allegedly a hit from uh the saudi prince um there was a reporter that worked for the washington post mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have a of um, uh, American um, media, I believe, who who has uh, the owner of a National Enquirer, them being connected in any way, uh, financially or otherwise, with uh, you know Saudi investors, mm-hmm. it's a little. It looks a little bit nefarious, you know. And you know, this is coming on the heels of you know the Washington Post really, really, really trying to make a case for some type of censor to the Saudi government. You know, so it's, you know, behind the scenes, there's another dynamic that's greater than, you know, the ping picks. <laughs> you know, there's a whole right. another, you know, it's a whole labyrinth back there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for most people, you know, you don't get the opportunity to kind of delve that deeply into it because we, you know, we have lives that we're living. Most people don't have time to kind of research it like we do, but it, it's, it's, it's something that's a little bit more sinister here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, American uh, media 
and we might have to uh, give a, a correction to the name of the uh, parent company to the National Enquirer, but they uh, were using these picks as leverage for Jeff, uh, for them to say to Jeff Bezos, tell the public that we are not politically motivated in our reporting. They were trying to, you know, extort him or coerce him to say something that was not true. Right. Um, so, uh, and again, they have the Saudis in their pocket. So, it, it, you know, in, uh, you know, 45, he's very friendly to the Saudis. You know, he's not really made a, a, a complete denunciation of, you know, the, the government relative to this killing. He didn't say, you know, that's categorically wrong. That's principally wrong. You've, you've uh, violated any number of international laws with what you did in targeting this journalist, the encroachment of state powers on journalism. And there's a lot, there's a lot that can, you know, you know, I believe in the trickle out of the, the, the news, uh, the facts from the news cycle. But uh, that, that's the other piece of it that I think, you know, deserves a little bit more attention. And like always, P, you know how to um, put us right there in park, just like your last name <laughs> <laughs> with an S. So it is already 25 minutes into this hour. I can't believe it went by so fast. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to dive into some of the other major headlines, such as Kamala Harris, this national emergency. And we're going to revisit some of the, the, the hot topics that happened with the Grammy. So we'll be back. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Brand Situation. I want to make a note that you will hear technical difficulties during the second portion of the show. I apologize in advance, and we are working to make sure it doesn't happen in another episode. Thank you for your patience, and thank you so much for your support of The Brand Situation with Timo and guest co-host to this week, Patrick Parks. Okay, so we took a quick break and hopefully we are refreshed. I had to go get another glass of water. P, are you ready to go? I am. I had to actually go um, and get some more tea. I spilled my tea <laughs> during the last segment. And uh, uh, apparently we're about to spill some more tea <laughs> during yes. this segment. <laughs> yes, that was some good tea that you spilled, by the way, especially on... Um, is it American Media Inc.? The yes, parent American, company? American Media Inc. Yeah, I wanted to, um, you know, give the clarification on that. And I did state that correctly. It's the parent company of uh, the National Enquirer. Yeah, so we will be watching this story as it continues to develop. Because, obviously, it's it's still unraveling. Um, and speaking of Sinister, you, you said that word in the last segment. And when it comes to politics, especially in this country, I, unfortunately, it feels like a horror story. So the next two major <laughs> items on our, our list of topics to discuss is Kamala Harris and the Breakfast Club interview. And then um, 
this alleged national emergency that was declared by 45 and his administration. So I think we, I think we want to just, you know, go with the coolest, the coolest part of this and talk about Kamala Harris and her Breakfast Club interview. So I heard about it. I didn't watch it, but um, I did. I don't know that it did anything to lift her profile as a presidential candidate. But what do you think? Well, what I will say really quickly is that um, I think um, Senator Harris's team is trying to learn from the mistakes of the Clinton uh, campaign run where, you know, it wasn't until the very end that they realized that uh, Hillary Clinton was not as accessible as they wanted her to appear to the American public. And, you know, there's a metric in politics that's about, you know, would I go have a beer with this person? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's you know that's for example that's why uh, uh, presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren is seen on I think Facebook Live uh, having a beer you know she took it literally you know and it and I don't know if that softened her up or made her any more accessible but anyway that she that just makes the point that people are aware of how important it is to be liked you know it's not enough to be qualified you have to be liked. Uh, so I think in an effort to make her more accessible, Senator Harris went on the Breakfast Club, and you know, true to form, the Breakfast Club is a provocative platform. So they're going to ask, you know, you know, questions that maybe you wouldn't get asked on the MSNBC or CNN or Fox News. And uh, the topic of music and marijuana usage came up, mm-hmm. you know, and Senator Harris, I think she copped to saying that she has you know, smoked marijuana. And then she said, um, uh, notably, I did inhale. <laughs> Reference to Bill Clinton, who said he didn't inhale. Um, but uh, during that time, I was being asked questions by multiple hosts at the same time. Mm-hmm. And somehow it got conflated that she was listening to Tupac <laughs> and Snoop Dogg as she was smoking. And they, they weren't out yet. <laughs> and they were not out yet. But actually what happened, this is based on uh, the Breakfast Club host coming on Ari Marable's show on MSNBC. And they were explaining what happened, actually. She was asking, answering two questions at the same time. You know, like mm-hmm. if, you, if you watch the um, Breakfast Club online, mm-hmm. you can see that sometimes people, they're moving their bodies, trying to, because questions are coming at them Always on all sides, <laughs> you know, questions are coming on all sides, mm-hmm. and sometimes the answer that we're hearing them give could be to a question from somebody that we that are that, that's not in our sight or view. Um, so that's actually what was happening. People, somebody was asking her what she likes to listen to, and I guess because she was on that platform, she mentioned some hip hop people or whatever. And at the same time, they were asking her, you know, did she smoke? Has she smoked? What, you know, all that stuff. So again, we'll never know actually what 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 the case was. Is that something worth talking about for real? I don't know. I just feel like that's just like so, like a non-topic. If that's the worst thing that we could say about the lady is that, you know, um, uh, she mentioned a rapper at the wrong time or uh, whatever. That's well, what I feel about it. Right. I mean, I don't think that's the worst that we can say about her. I think her, um, she was a former prosecutor and apparently she was very, um, 
strict in her sentencing when it as it relates to African Americans. And I think that she should be called to the carpet so we can further understand her thought process when she was handing down those sentences, given the history of um, injustice here in America. However, if I were Kamala's uh, PR, part of her PR team, and what, as it relates to being accessible and relatable to the um, uh, masses, the advice that I would give to her for these type of platforms would be keep it cute, not cool. She's not a cool. She's not cool. She's she's thorough. She's powerful. She's strict. And I get it. She 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 don't want to. She want to avoid some of the pitfalls that Hillary Clinton fell into. But she's not President Obama. He was cool. He was able to finesse and get away with some of the answers to those questions. And yes, the, you know, they're going to ask you those type of questions because it's hip hop. It's, it's Charlamagne the God. It's the Breakfast Club. But just say yes. I inhaled and keep it moving. Next, yeah. <laughs> let's not let's not make it a big deal because now you get caught up in um, appearing too relatable. Uh, how can we take you seriously? You know, I think we respect her, like you said, in the hearings with uh, Brett Kavanaugh um, and how she challenged um, that entire process um, and called him to the carpet. And I think that was another, I feel like there were two uh, uh, hearings that we saw her really shine uh, last year. But keep it cute, not cool, Kamala. That, that would be my recommendation. I, I agree. I agree with keeping it cute and not cool. To me, that really amounts to just being yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like Barack Obama had a cool factor that, you know, you can't really manufacture it. That's who he is. Right. Um, and he kind of stayed in that pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's for a later topic of, of discussion, but this notion of her being a prosecutor and uh, maybe these weren't your words, but her being overzealous with uh, handing out convictions and stuff. There's more to that story because, like I said, I didn't watch the whole interview, but she started to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's one thing that we should pick up later is, you know, um, in the African American community, you know, there's this view that, you know, we should uh, uh, not uh, uh, have any sort of connection to the criminal justice system, particularly as it relates to, you know, locking up our own, you know, but one of the points that, that I heard in the, in the short part of the interview that I heard was, you know, she said, well, what happens when, you know, a child is molested? What happens when a woman is raped? You know, once, what happens when somebody murders your son? And these people are all African-Americans, the, 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 the perpetrator and the victim. Do we not do anything? So I, I, it, that's something, like I said, for a later discussion. I don't know if she was overzealous. I don't know. I have not done that research. Mm-hmm. But I think that the question that she raises is a valid question. Do we not True. want justice when we have both a victim and a perpetrator that are African-Americans? What do we do? And that's something we have as a historical issue in our community. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's connected back to the R. Kelly story. You know? Right. So... Uh, and other stories like it. Uh, so there's more that will come out as it relates to Senator Harris and her bid for president. <clears throat> and, and we'll get to know more and more about her platform, about her history, about uh, her her past as it relates to her um, her career in criminal justice. 
Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that. And you make very valid points. And um, yes, we will continue to discuss um, Senator Harris because she's not she's going to be a mainstay in the news cycle. So I do get I do look forward to getting to know her more. But definitely don't try to be cool, uh, Senator Harris. Just just (laughs) keep it cute. Um, (laughs) Moving on to this. Um, alleged national emergency. Now, this is definitely <laughs> one news topic that just missed me. I I heard people talking about it. I was even a, having a phone call with a friend of mine, and 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 she was alluding to this national emergency. I didn't even touch it because I hadn't even touched it. So, mm-hmm. what happened again? Say what now? Yeah. Well, you know, again, you know, we have to weigh, mm-hmm. you know, making what we do entertaining. And also being informative. Right. As it relates to this story, it's going to be hard to do that. (laughs) Because Mm. it's so convoluted. It's very convoluted. (sighs) And there are many elements uh, to it that, you know, like I say about the news cycle, sometimes the news cycle is like a flood. Sometimes it's like a trickle. Things are trickling out about this uh, that just adds a, a level of nuance that you're like, wow, these people are really working hard to fool the American public there time. Um, so let me try to do my best to make this informative while also keeping it a little bit entertaining. So let me let me break it down this way. This is one of the the, the, the agenda items on our show today that I'm gonna use the um, the classic framework for our brand situation where mm-hmm. we list the brand situation, which is the issue at hand. We list the brand decision or the decision uh, of the person that's the central figure in the brand situation, what they decided to do, mm-hmm. and then uh, our recommendation for what we think they should have done. Do it, P. Let's go. Let's take a <laughs> let, 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 let's, 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 let's dive in. So as it relates to this alleged, as you say, uh, national emergency, what was the brand situation? The brand situation, Trump did not get his wall because he had to capitulate to Nancy Pelosi. In other words, he had to give in. Mm-hmm. And he had to give in to a woman. We talked about that before. Uh, he did not um, He did not get his wall initially. And he states that um, um, the government shut down uh, and didn't, still didn't get what he wanted. So we have to take another go at this thing. Uh, and, and remember, we were looking at the, the prospect of having another shutdown as of last mm-hmm. Friday. That, that could have started another shutdown. So what was the brand decision? Uh, well... Um, the person in the, the White House, he is not my president, <laughs> uh, he signed um, the legislation to keep the government open, uh, therefore avoiding another shutdown this past Friday. However, because he, being the vindictive person he is, he said, I am still going to call a national emergency. Now, first and foremost, uh, who calls a national emergency? Right, uh, it, it gives you the warning for it. A national emergency is an emergency, right? right? So he a was real giving us this lead up, right? Right? You know what I'm saying? You know, you don't stage a heart attack; it just happens. That's an emergency, right? You know? Exactly. Um, so we're staging how, things now. Sounds like. Sta- oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're staging emergencies here, here, here. So we'll come back to that a little bit later. But he called a national emergency so that he can get more money to build his wall because whatever was promised to him in the the resolution that was passed and that he signed was, um, you know, uh, to the tune of one uh, billion plus, where he was really going for at least five plus billion dollars. So uh, even though the government is open, we avoided another shutdown. 
um, he said he was going to get his money uh, in another way, and he and he does it through uh, staging this national emergency. Um, so, you know, what did he do? Uh, he staged a national emergency. He uh, got funds uh, or looking to get funds reappropriated from the military uh, um, uh, construction to construction of a, a border wall. You know, there's a lot here. Right? Mm-hmm. There, there is, um, you know, the Congress has the power of the purse. And uh, a president just cannot elect to uh, veto what the, the Congress, uh, one of their primary functions is to allocate funds. And so what, what, what uh, President Trump is doing with this uh, national emergency ruse is unprecedented. Because in the past, national emergencies have been emergencies. Most of the time, they're natural disasters like uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, you know, they are... Um, issues that we have with earthquakes you know there's an emergency uh that has actually happened normally it's a natural catastrophe sometimes Mm -hmm. it could be uh, um uh, other issues having said that here's a plot twist that i'm gonna briefly go into that makes this so insanely just uh diabolical for good measure it turns out that President, oh Lord, I was about to say President Trump. <laughs> I want to say President Obama. I was going to ask, did he do <laughs> uh, make any declarations of national uh, emergencies while he was in office? President Obama actually made a declaration of a national emergency as it relates to criminal organizations actually blocking property of uh, transnational criminal organizations, which we know as like the cartel. Mm. or you know these illicit organizations and we think about the cartel uh, we think about Mexico you know Latin America South America and so somehow the people advising Trump because you know he didn't come up with this somehow they've attached themselves to um, one of the executive orders President Obama gave during his tenure They've attached this national emergency today to that. So an existing emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, regarding the cartel, they have now attached themselves to that. So as to say, oh, you guys said this was okay when the, uh, Obama did it. Hmm. Why would you now be able to disavow uh, what I've said? Because it, this is under that same sort of premise. Which is not in its purest sense, but as it relates to this notion that the MS-13 gang is, you know, infiltrating all of our communities, it's connected to that in the most, oh my God, in in the most uh, loose way ever. But that just lets you know that when you want to do something, particularly when it's not right, you got the uh, smart people on your team, they can find a loophole. And they may have found a loophole uh, here with this uh, emergency um, that Obama uh, cited back in 2011. You know, so that's just, you know, that's a a little bit off-putting, but I think, uh, again, this will get tied up in the courts. Even uh, Trump said it during uh, his his, uh, 
the press conference in the Rose Garden. This is going to get tied up in the courts, but what he gets out of this is that his base will see him as a fighter. His base will see that he tried to get this wall erected, tried to get additional funds, tried to usurp Nancy Pelosi's authority by going around, even though he uh, uh, appeared to capitulate, he went around her and got this emergency going and got additional funds to build this wall. Even if it gets tied up in the courts, he will look like he's a fighter, the fighter that they, they know and love. You know, so, well, so yeah. I, um, I understand that at, at the end of the day, he's trying to save face with his face with his base. Mm-hmm. Um, good luck with that. Uh, reading an NPR article that addresses this, it says how House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer called the president's action a clear violation of lawmakers' power to set spending priorities. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a it's a violation, and to your point, it's going to be tied up in the courts, and it's 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 an atrocity because this also costs money, unnecessary money, um, lots of money, <laughs> <laughs> lots of un- unnecessary money. So you know, it just feels like a never-ending nightmare and it's like I I have no advice to give because I would have been resigned from this communications team early on so I have no words no advice I'm just watching this circus play out and pray that you know uh, we 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 stay unscathed from it but it's very very dangerous and it's ridiculous at the same time yeah so and I agree with you and, and, and dangerous is the right word because this is setting a dangerous precedent uh, and to that point um, a lot of the democratic leadership has have been saying uh, and even some Republicans have been saying say you know what if we get a, a democratic uh, president um, in the next uh, presidential cycle uh, will they declare climate change as a national emergency and do the same thing will they declare guns as a national emergency it could happen if this president is allowed uh, this unprecedented act is allowed to stand and is upheld by the courts. And that is not something that we want because that moves us in the direction of uh, despotism and autocracies. That's not America based on, you know, the framers view of a democracy. That's not a democracy. So we really need to think about that. But in terms of what should have been done, what would be our advice? Uh, much like you, there's not much to say in my, my view. And, and, and what I'm going to say is probably going to be a little bit provocative, okay? And I'm mm-hmm. going to put a pure brand um, manager publicist hat on. If we were a part of the communications team for Trump, uh, he got what he wanted. He, he literally got what he wanted. If you are Trump and you want to whip up your base and work on prov- providing continuity in your narrative about making America great again, and a part of making America great again is keeping the, the 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 certain people out. He got what he wanted. He looks like he is a strong uh, leader who is resolute about what he feels, even though it stands in the face, flies in the face of some of our laws. But he is doing, he's fighting the good fight in their eyes. So if you're Trump's base, Trump got what he wanted. Obviously, what I personally want from him uh, and want him to do is entirely different. You know, but again, putting my personal feelings aside, uh, because I come from a different philosophical and values based than Donald Trump. If I was on his communications team, we got what we wanted. Maybe it was a little clunky and I might have not wanted him to undermine his own point in the Rose Garden when he said, you know, I didn't have to do this. 
that's definitely not something I would have told him to say. But he got what he wanted. Uh, so yeah. The, the he, own- I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just the only advice I would have given him was not to say, not to undermine your own argument. You know. So well. Yeah. If I had any advice to give to um, Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer, I mean, it, it, can we call Olivia Pope? <laughs> Is she available for hire? Um, also, you have to play chess, not checkers with this man. Um, so your next move needs to be your best move, you know, and it has to be the right move because he is um, he is hell bent on winning at all costs. And to hell with uh, her, anybody that stands in his way, including one of his multiple wives. So um, meaning that he don't even have allegiance to his family. Maybe the only the only person that I could see him having any allegiance to, um, and that's his daughter Ivanka, and that's in a very um, disgusting way. So I'm gonna leave that there. But yeah, you have to play chess, not checkers, with this man. And um, they, uh, Nancy Speaker Pelosi and and Chuck Schumer, need to move very methodically and carefully with how they handled this because to your point is setting precedence for the next president of this country absolutely <sighs> absolutely when it at all costs is the name of the game for him for real you know and that is something I want to to have the American public sort of uh, marinate on this man will try some of these antics and try to win at all costs even when it's predicated on a lie <laughs> well his name is Trump so he will try to trump you. <laughs> uh, uh, pun intended. Um, Absolutely. To lighten this a little bit, because yeah, that was that was a real deal uh, brand analysis that we took there. So um, kudos, P. You always do a great job of uh, bringing home those very very um, critical points of brand management and reputation management. So hopefully someone from um, the Pelosi team and the Schumer team will take a listen. Um, to your point, there's nothing much we can um, advice we can give to, to the Trump administration and he doesn't he doesn't really take advice anyway, but you know, maybe they'll just listen to it for kicks and giggles. Who knows? Um, so the Grammys happened on last Sunday and you know, we talked about it. I, I was speaking with Keena Lee um, last week. She's a PR uh, maven herself. And so we talked about the Grammys. We talked about the lineup for the Motown tribute. And we were both horrified that Jennifer Lopez was picked to do that. And it turned out to be a hashtag Grammy so wrong. I called it. Um, it was a whitewashing of Motown. And as much as I do love Jennifer Lopez and think that she you know um, makes such a great case for um, Latinx, Latinas Um, she has made great strides. She's not black (laughs) she's not black Um, there's also um, some other um, notable moments with the Grammy so P I started off with the Jennifer Lopez thing. What do you think about that? Um I might have a different view than some people. I've heard some of the other bloggers talk about this. Um, and they definitely may have highlighted the racial element mm-hmm. uh, of it. 
I mean, as a person who is deep into music, um, uh, and a person who's loved music for all of their life, you know, from a from a consumer standpoint, but also from a producer standpoint, from an artistic standpoint, I get what Smokey Robinson was saying from the standpoint of you want everybody to consume your music. You know, the more people that buy your records, you know, the the more your message gets out there, the more, and also the more money you make. I get that, Smokey. Um, but uh, Grandpa Smokey, I'm gonna need you to step to the side on this one because I, I, I want you to hear me. Actually, not, not step to the side. Come into the room with me. Come to the table with me. What I want to say to you is that yeah, I get it. You know, mass consumption is great, but also I think we cannot be remiss to not talk about like the um, the 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 lack of inclusion, <laughs> to put it mildly, of um, uh, black and brown performers uh, and, and I want to say vocalist you know what I thought Motown was all about was presenting African Americans as dignified classy you know Barry Gordy had these people go through um, um, finishing school they had to learn which was the right fork to eat the salad with you know mm-hmm. they had to learn how to cross your legs and you know do this and to speak with a certain level of articulation you know he was presenting something to the the not only to America but to the world that was a counterpoint to negative tropes racial tropes and stereotypes so to have somebody there and I love Jennifer Lopez just like you said but to have Jennifer Lopez there not just because she was a Latina but you know she's not a singer Jennifer Lopez is a performer. Right. She's a dancer. Yeah. You know. Big difference. Uh, I don't think anybody in the Motown lineup, particularly from the, the, the first wave of the Motown greats, was a dancer, per se. These right. were all musicians. You know, people who knew how to play the piano, right. guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, they took voice lessons. You know, um, these are amazing songwriters. You know, and I just think that to me, that's where they missed the mark. Could you get somebody that can sing? That was a whole lineup that uh, came for the Aretha Franklin performance, and they could have doubled for both for both performances. <laughs> look, Timo, <laughs> look, what I'm saying is that yeah, they could have, but there are hundreds of performers that are qualified to do that yeah. lineup from a, from the from the standpoint of Motown. There are hundreds of people that could have blown that out of the water but like you said I get that the Grammys are trying to get eyeballs to the screen but I don't think you need to desecrate and that's a strong word Mm. I don't think you need to desecrate the legacy of Motown or dilute okay I'm gonna say dilute the legacy of Motown by uh, putting Jennifer Lopez as the headlining performer for a Motown review no not to so mention I, it's Black History Month. Come on, y'all. Not to mention it's Black History <laughs> Month. And again, so so the way that I'm hitting it, the way that I'm hitting it is not necessarily from a racial perspective because I think there are uh, Latina performers that would have probably done a great job singing the songs. I just did not think that that act was the right act for that uh, tribute. So Well, I appreciate your perspective, but race did play a part in this for me a big part just simply put it's Black History Month Motown was a record label dedicated to the sound of black music because nothing else existed to support black music and and black art artists and musicians during that time and so 
um, you did us no favors um, with that tribute having Jennifer Lopez um, usurp black performers. So, and that's what it felt like to me. As much as I like her, she was out of her league with that. They were they they definitely got that wrong. You know what? To to your point though, again, I like I said, I personally, my biggest gripe with it is not racial. That's my personal biggest. It's not racial. I acknowledge that there are racial elements to it. Mm-hmm. But what, having you say that again, it, it just clicked something in my mind that you know, back in the Dizzy, you can have a black performer do a song. And within that day, the next day, the next week, you can have a white re- performer record that song and that song take off because the white performer recorded the song. And let me give you a kicker. No royalty was paid to the black performer. No acknowledgement, acknowledgement mm-hmm. was given to the black performer. They mm-hmm. were literally culturally appropriating our music and not giving us any credit or financial compensation for the the, the doing. disgrace. You know, so insult to injury. So from that standpoint, it could appear that this is a little bit analogous to that. You we're gonna let you create a legacy of black excellence and then I as this Latina uh come in and basically take the shine. So again, that's not that wasn't my biggest gripe, but I think there may be people out there that can make that parallel, and and, and they will be justified in doing so. Well, that wasn't all the uh, noise that was being made behind the scenes at the Grammys. Uh, I think there was a couple more incidents and, and some things that we actually had already spoke of. Uh, Twenty One Savage being one because he made news during Super Bowl, so he wasn't able to attend the Grammys because he was detained by ICE. <laughs> you know what oh lord 21 Savage I didn't know that you were eating drinking tea and crumpets I just didn't know <laughs> right? I had no idea and I try to stay up on the game even the hip hop game I really do um, but all jokes aside um, you know, you know, I have, I know we have as a point to talk about Jay-Z and how Jay-Z is supporting him and helping him get the best counsel uh, legally possible. Um, I think it's it's a sad commentary on where we are. Um, I know legally there's some things that he could have done differently. Let's let's not get it twisted. You know, we do have laws in this country. Uh, I, I do think the timing of all of this is a little bit, you know, opportunistic. You know, dare I say, from ICE uh, in Trump uh, perspective. Um, uh, but I'll let you take that because I, I, I want to <laughs> talk about Drake. Drake? Okay. Well, the only thing that I have to say is, of course, you know, Jay-Z has been stepping up his uh, presence when it comes to um, civil rights and um, social justice uh, so- issues. Social justice issues. I mean, he, he t- him and Beyonce make quite um, a stand when it came to Trayvon Martin's case. And so they have continued to build upon that track record they got involved with Meek Mill situation. And so mm-hmm. as a result of Jay-Z posting up the millions of dollars to bond Savage out, he was released. Here's the, here's where, you know, these, these guys got to just do a, they got to do better. Um, 
because it's just BS at the end of the day. Meant to say uh, BS of the day goes to the Trump administration and this national emergency. That's some BS right there. Hashtag BS. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, I digress. Um, as soon as he was released, it was like money wasted because he got picked up on a felony charge in South Georgia. Stay away from, from anything outside of Atlanta, Black folks. <laughs> Especially if you're in music or you are um, in, in, in entertainment because that's Georgia. Not Georgia, not Atlanta. That's Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was picked up because apparently he um, had got paid for a concert, $17,000. He didn't show. He never showed up. So they put him back, back in jail. Um, he's making it very, very difficult um, to um, for his case. You know, he continues to show the um, Trump administration because that's the administration that's enforcing these type of laws and giving ICE such um, power, rain. yeah, right. Um, yeah. That he is a criminal in this country, you know, and the reason why they want to tear down DACA, he is about to be the poster child for that. Um, and that's unfortunate because that's money that Jay Z and Beyonce can't get back. Um, I called it when I said that it would open up doors because he was, uh, as soon as he was released, he was invited to speak on Good Morning America to talk about. Um, his experience and to um, have a platform for what was going on and I called that in the last episode where I said that it was going to open those doors up but you know it's like he's making it very very difficult for his legal team let alone his PR people to try to defend him and spin this over into a positive way Um, Mm -hmm. I think they need to go back to the drawing board they really need to have like a come to Jesus meeting with him and find out what is it that he really wants to do um because at this point it's looking like he may be having to go back um, look and and he might have to do that voluntarily look 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 okay (laughs) yeah now this is the point in the the show where i try my best to pull back (laughs) because (laughs) this is the level of trifling that you see in a client let's say this was our client and we know what we're up against from a media perspective. We know what we're up against against a public opinion perspective. And you yet go and do something we know will undermine what we're trying to accomplish. Come on, bruh. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? You have Jay-Z and Beyonce on your side. We're trying to sway public opinion. And in a day's time, in a week's time, this is what you do? Come on. I mean, come to Jesus. I don't know. We might need what's a power greater than Jesus? I don't know. Well, we need that power to come and press upon this young man the gravity of what he's up against. You know, and no matter manner of media training, because I was thinking about media training for him or whatever, but you know, this is somewhere he has to actually train something on the inside. You gotta get it in your head that nobody's gonna give you a freebie. You got you gotta you gotta be more mindful of how you move out here in these streets. You know, because any wrong move can undermine what we're trying to accomplish, particularly in the near term. We need you to keep your nose clean, sir. But anyway, I digress. Hello?
اللون Before I move, before we move on from the 21 Savage situation, um, one of the things that I was saying is that in defense of 21 Savage, he may have been targeted when he was released because it wasn't like he went out and did something. They actually picked him up on a charge that happened previously. So when in his in his interview on Good Morning America, he said that he feels like he was targeted. And so yeah, he, that, he said that they we got savage. I think well, that right. that's a little piece that I heard that we got savage. So it does smell of you know some type of targeting. Right, right. So so just to clarify and not to seem like we're just you know coming down so hard on him and his and and if we were part of his communication team, I mean we have to take into account that this likely has put a target on his back and he has to move a little differently. But he has to be very careful with how he moves. And to be honest with you, I would ask him point blank if you were my client, is there are there any more opportunities for you to be picked up based on past charges? And do we want to face this head on and have you um, walk yourself into these situations versus having them pick you up? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, this is my last comment on it. This is a this is where you make the case for not having your cousin Pookie, your stepsister Shanene, be your PR team. You need some professionals. I mean, you need people who are going to ask the tough questions, the people who are going to help you preempt a lot of these issues. Again, we cannot avoid you from being targeted, but if you have the right people on your team, you can be prepared for the target team. So, I don't know. I just I think this is where I'm going to implore everybody out there, make sure you have professionals on your team so you don't find yourself in brand situations. Or if you find yourself in brand situations, they can help you get out of them. Right, right. I, I agree. You got to employ real professionals um, and take your brand seriously because, you know, it, by not taking your brand seriously you run into these situations the bigger your platform what does what, what does puff say more money more problems absolutely it, this is not an amateur hour right <laughs> this is not amateur hour you cannot expect not to be on somebody's list people want like 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 the adage says people build you up to tear you down people are looking for you to fall they're waiting so don't give them that 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 satisfaction make sure you have people around you that are good people period SMH. Um, and another, so, you know, the Trump administration got the hashtag BS of the day, but, you know, as much as I actually am a fan of this person, 
something ain't clean in the milk. And we said this last week. We actually addressed the Jesse Smollett uh, situation. Oh, that's all you. I'm leaving it on you. That's all you today. <laughs> I do not want to have a call from Glad, Peter, Rita, Shanita. No, that's all you today. <laughs> that's on me, baby. That's on me, baby. Okay, I feel you. I, this is all I'm gonna say is something cleaning the milk. There is there is something that has not been right since it was first reported. I mean, I think everybody was kind of taken aback by the story, and you know, we were all concerned. And it, by all accounts, it it appears as though the smallest were taking the proper steps from a brand a crisis management perspective there was a statement that went out by the family followed by um, Justin Smollett himself speaking on it in LA and that's when it started to fall apart when he said he fought the fuss back excuse my French Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and then he had the he had the interview on Good Morning America with um, Robin Roberts and you know it's not looking good for Jesse. It's it's just not looking good. And just dealing with the facts, not even that's all we can deal with at this point. It's it's, it's nothing against him personally because he has plenty of fans that are of all um, diversities, backgrounds, um, races, and nationalities. But you know now you have two Nigerians who have been um, released. Now they were picked up as, as suspects, but they were released. And they worked with Jesse on the set of Empire. You know, the story isn't adding up. He said that there were two white boys with ski masks that said MAGA country and were calling him racial slurs and, and homophobic slurs and put a noose around his neck. Those are outlandish claims to make. So I know you said that you was going to not touch it. What I'm going to say is there is some BS going on here and um, you know, I'm going to send good spirits and good vibes to the PR team that have to handle this but it's getting real tricky because now (laughs) at this point yes, you have um, the media at your beck and call but the only thing they want to talk about right now is this alleged attack. And Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for Jesse to have a a media interview without having to address that. So he's going to have to lay low uh, for a while. And that could affect, impact his ability um, to promote any project. And if if he can't promote projects, then he can't work really. Who's going to want to work with someone who can't promote Mm -hmm. their project? So, yeah. 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 Well, the one thing I will say, not specifically about... uh, this story but it's, it's a bigger point about PR and branding um, and it actually connects back to 45 and this uh, emergency this this uh, alleged emergency national emergency Sarah Sanders was called into uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, you know who sort of is one of the central figures on uh, Trump's PR team she was called in by Mueller to be questioned you would probably have never imagined if you're a part of a PR team or a communications team um, that you're going to be deposed or questioned. 
by somebody of that magnitude. But this is what happens when you are alleged to be a part of creating a, a, a narrative or coming up with talking points that are misleading and erroneous. I think whoever is connected to Mr. Smollett, take a cue from these folks. If something's not clean in the milk, you need to get you a new container of milk that's clean. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, um, we need to take this take this as a lesson. Our publicists, our communications team, it's, it's really hard to sustain a lie. If it is a lie. Yeah. And the Trump administration is uh, being called to the carpet on this as well. And no brand is immune from it. Mr. Smollett included. Yep. So we'll be watching this. I don't think this is going to go away unless he lays low. And that might be the best thing for him to do. Unfortunately, it's probably going to impact his income. Oh, well. So (laughs) we made it through all of those topics, if you can believe it. (laughs) Um, And now, you know, we're we're we have to we're in a month of February. Um, It is the month that we honor, you know, black people in the world, um, particularly in America. And I just want to give a I just have to acknowledge and and remember the R&B crooner, the sexiest man during his era, Teddy Pendergrass. You know, I actually came across Showtime has done a documentary about uh, Teddy Pendergrass and his life and his legacy that's currently in rotation. And um, there's actually um, a movie being developed um, about his life. And I believe singer Tyrese has been tapped to play the icon. Oh my God. We're going to leave that alone. But I do think Tyrese can do a great job at portraying Teddy Pendergrass, despite the shenanigans that is Tyrese. Okay. (laughs) Oh my God. You should see my face. (laughs) But I have to say, you know, Teddy Pendergrass has been one of those um, singers that has really impacted my my childhood and he continues to impact my adulthood. When I was particularly probably around puberty, becoming a teenager, I can't lie. I used to love listening to some Teddy Pendergrass to make me feel all sexy and pretty and romantic. Okay? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. And what's so powerful about his music is that it invokes such a feeling, um, which goes back to the power of music. But his music, is, he's he, he died in 2010, which I didn't realize. This might sound some type of way. I didn't realize Teddy lived that long past his um, car accident. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, yep. I totally thought that he died in the 80s. And I forgot what they called that phenomenon. But when I, you know, because I was like, wait a minute, he lived until 2010? What a blessing. Mm-hmm. I just, you know. Right, okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, he was a, he was definitely um, a trailblazer during that time. He embraced um, his black sexuality and masculinity in a time where, uh, mainstream America was still threatened by that um, and women of all races and nationalities would go crazy at, at his concerts and when you look at the documentary you can actually you see white men there there were actually some 
he had a lot of white men that were fans but he also had a lot of white men that just hated him there was this um they they panned into the audience and you could see the look of this one white man and he just was disgusted by teddy's display of um sexuality and manhood and 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 based on how today's sexuality is portrayed in music he is way tame way tame um, but the, um, white men that work with him as his managers, they talk about how he was just so handsome and he was so sexual and attractive. I mean, they had to give him his props and they sound, but it's not like they was just me giving another man his props, which you rarely, um, see that in, in, in today either just with male bonding. You don't really see men giving each other credit like that. But Teddy was undeniable. So I have to just pay homage to Teddy Pendergrass and his music. Give it a listen if you've never listened to him. If you are um, one of the youngins that want to know where R&B came from, you've got to take a listen. I think Marvin Gaye probably took 10 pages out of Teddy Pendergrass's book. Um, so, P, P, is there anybody you want to give homage to? Um, when I saw this come up on the agenda, um, the the runner show today, I I was trying to think about it, think about somebody really deeply, and you know, but when I thought about Governor Northrop and how he called uh, slavery uh, indentured servitude, mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> it reminded me of a post that I saw on social media about this uh, uh, random woman. Uh, I think around the 1830s, she was in slavery, and uh, she had been interviewed later in her life. She lived to be 100, but um, there was some type of commission that uh, was put together to go interview ex-slaves, and she talked about her experience. But given that, it made me think about my own family history. Mm-hmm. So the people that I, the person uh, that I want to give props to. Uh, this month uh, being Black History Month are all the indentured servants that we know the actual indentured servants because after slavery ended a lot of our ancestors were indentured servants aka sharecroppers Uh, and so uh, I would love to introduce Governor Northrop to my uh, grandmother or would have loved to introduce him to my great grandmother who was a literal um, indentured servant. My grandmother was. She was a sharecropper. Wow. You know, so I would love to have him have a conversation with her so he can see one, touch one, <laughs> and, and know what that is versus what an actual slave is. There's a difference. And that'd be a teachable moment. But, you know, big props and kudos to all of our ancestors who paved the way for us and those that are um, hidden figures, unsung Black history uh icons in our individual lives so that's what I'm going to give my black history uh, shout out to today well I love it and um, that is some rich rich history right there that you've shared um, and it, it, it you're, it's a reminder that that life is not too far away from us we're not far away from that and so the fight continues we can't give up now we can't, we can't let them off the hook <laughs> That's a reminder we can't let them off the hook. So it has been an amazing um, show today. P Park, so happy to have you join us. I look forward to having you um, next week. 
hopefully we'll see i know you're busy in these streets but you are a permanent co-host so you can't be giving up your spot to uh folks like that just willy-nilly but i'm gonna put the pressure on you to have you again next week um i want to give a shout out to um the actors express theater here in atlanta during black history month they've been playing an octoroon it's a play that you it's a musty play you got to check it out shout out to shago.com vitamin rich cosmetics for skin and body if you're looking for something all natural and it makes you feel like you're at the spa shago is the product line you want to pick up want to give another shout out to wanderlust diaries that's our travel partner if you want to know where to go travel take a look at wanderlust diaries but they also know how to put you in the mood of wanderlusting and last but not least um congratulations to brandon frame who's the ceo of the black man can he just released his second book it's a children's book called the adventures of coach and little dale and my first tie uh if you know anything about brandon or don't know anything about brandon you have to follow him on the black man can it has over three hundred and fifty thousand followers on instagram so it's definitely oh wow influencer brand and um Tying a tie, teaching young black boys, black and brown boys, how to tie a tie is such a rite of passage. So it is so fitting that his first children's book would be um, My First Tie. And the illustrations are beautiful and the storyline is so cute. Um, they have character names like Malik and um, Jalil and Shamik. You know, things that, you know, our black and brown children are used to those names so you got to check it out it's a great book for all children and until the next time we will catch you on the uh, next episode of the brand situation see you later p later